you imagine how hard it would be to carry that cross? And today we're going to talk about uh, our walk with Christ, of course, and we'll call it our cross walk today, if you will. Have you ever seen anybody that carries uh, a cross, uh, what they think is probably a life-size cross, up and down a street or a road? We used to have someone like that growing up in Covington that would uh, go back and forth between uh, Hardee's or Wendy's, whatever it was at the time, and McDonald's, and he'd walk back and forth. And his purpose was basically to uh, spread, spread the word of Jesus, uh, to show how hard it was. And hopefully, in his mind, people would ask him, why are you doing this? And then he would tell them. Because I want to tell you about Jesus. And you can understand why someone might do that. But I'm so blessed that we don't have to carry that cross. Because Christ carried it for us. But I think that it's important for us to look and see what the cross actually is. Oftentimes, maybe we, we think too much about uh, this, this symbol instead of what it represents, what happened there. Let's look at that today. Oftentimes when we think of what, uh, what is this cross, we'll ask, uh, what do you think of? Do you think of uh, something like this? Uh, this is one of those ornamental type things. Of course, we've got the cross up here behind the screen. Um, and, uh, you know, I used to, back when it was a style, I wore a chain with a cross uh, around my neck for, for many, many years. Uh, of course, we know that's not what the actual cross of Jesus was like at all. At, at all. It was nothing nice about it. There was nothing pretty about it. There was nothing ornamental about it. It was a curse, in fact, this cross was. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Just listen to this one. I didn't put it on the board, but I want you to hear it. It says, the, the Christ, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross. He took upon himself the curse of our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And that's a quote from Deuteronomy right there that Paul uses as he writes to the churches in Galatia. So what was this cross instead? It was torture. It was humiliating. And it most certainly wouldn't have looked like this. It may be something more along these lines. But quite honestly, we're not even really sure 100%. Uh, there was different kinds of crosses that the Romans would use to crucify people. Uh, but we believe it was probably something along this, this T-shaped type thing. But we're talking about uh, nothing that uh, they would have put a lot of work into. We're talking about pieces of wood, uh, pretty crude, uh, put together, uh, where they could nail his hands into it. Uh, we're talking about dirty, bloody. Uh, again, nothing, nothing pretty about what an actual cross would be. It was a torture device, and more so than a torture device, it was to be tortured in a humiliating public fashion until you died. That's what the cross is. As we think about that uh, cross, though, we should probably also know that thousands, hundreds of thousands, perhaps more, died on a cross under Rome and under uh, many other countries before them, and certainly after them as well. But when we think about the cross, we aren't just thinking about this, this cruel and unusual punishment to death. We are specifically thinking about one cross and the death of one person, our Savior, our Lord, Jesus Christ. See, because when he died on that cross, he died for you and he died for me. It was the punishment that we deserved, not 
him. 1 Peter 2.24 says he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. And I believe that deserves an amen. And I want you to think about this now for a second. What if God hadn't chose that period of time for Christ to come? What if he would have chosen some other era in the history of our world? What would have happened then? Perhaps we, instead of having a cross on our wall or in the homeless, our wall of our homes or around our necks, uh, maybe we would have a noose. Maybe it would be a guillotine. Maybe it would be a, a gun or a firing squad, electric chair, gas chamber, lethal injection. Go back in time a little bit more. We could even think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fiery furnace. Now, one thing about all of those that I just mentioned, they were all uh, things that were used to, to, to kill people, undoubtedly. But what about the cross? It's more humiliating, and it takes much longer. See, Christ didn't just die instantly. He hung on the cross. And died a painful death for you and for me. That's why I believe that God, that period of time, and that cross. When we think about that cross, though, we we don't think about uh, death. But maybe we should. What we think about, though... Is our Lord. See, because again, when we talk about the cross today and any other day, when you hear the word cross in the church, we're talking about specifically the cross of Jesus. But even then, that cross that he died on has no power. But the death that he died for us, now that right there is so powerful that it can give us eternal life with him in heaven. Kind of like that x-ray machine that we've talked about on Wednesday nights a little bit. That x-ray machine might be able to tell you that there's a problem, but it is not the problem itself. The cross might be able to kill someone, but it's not the cross. It was Jesus Christ. So what about these songs that we've, we've used today in this cross theme? Uh, again, the most popular one for us, for sure, uh, in American Christian churches, especially the old rugged cross. One of my absolute all-time favorite hymns. I think it puts it more in perspective. Because, again, notice it doesn't say the gold shiny cross. Right? Or the old cross that hung on the wall of the church. No, it's talking about the cross of Jesus. It was old. It was rugged. But yet we still love it. How can we love this torture device? How can we love this old rugged cross? John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Because the cross of Jesus is what makes this possible. All part of God's plan. The man who wrote the, the words and most of the music to the old rugged cross was a guy by the name of George Bernard. And George contemplated the cross early in his ministry. He just really uh, wanted to know about it. In fact, he said that he was uh, early on in his ministry, he was praying for a full understanding of the cross and its plan 
and Christianity. And upon doing this, he really reflected upon the verse that we just read, John 3.16. And after years of growth in his own faith in Christ, he started to understand more and more, he believed, what this cross actually means. What it meant. And what it will mean forever. He uh, was a preacher up in um, the town of Pacagon, Michigan, when he finally finished the song some years later. And the place where they first sang it, uh, there's a stone, a monument out there with all the names of the original choir that sang this song. Soon it was sung at a convention in Chicago, and before you knew it, uh, the whole country was singing this song by the 1950s. Now, it was written in 1913, I should say. And to this day... Um, so the internet says, okay, I haven't been there. Maybe some of you have. But to this day, this cross uh, that you see him standing next to over here still stands up in Reed City, Michigan, where he was from, commemorating that this is where the guy that wrote this song uh, lives or lived. George, though, he might be able to take credit for that, that song. But he knew, just like you know, that the cross is the cross of Jesus. But what are some of the things that that song says? Some of the things that popped right to my mind when, when you think about it, and, and if you want to, if you want to open up your hymn books, you can. It's on page 141, and all the songs that we'll talk about today are right around that same area. But one thing that I always think of is, it's an emblem, an emblem of what? Though? An emblem of suffering and shame is what the the song says. But you could really, I mean, you could add torture and death. You could. You could say an emblem of injustice. You could say an emblem of humiliation and pain. And it would all really fit, wouldn't it? But that's what we've got to understand the cross is. It is an emblem of suffering and shame. It is a symbol of suffering and shame, but not the suffering and shame of Jesus. Our suffering, our shame... It's the suffering that Christ took for us. It's the shame that he took from us when he died on that cross. That symbol, though, that we're going to put on different things around our, our homes and, and our lives that we'll see so many other places. Uh, not too long ago, uh, one of the boys saw a cross on a wall in one of the TV shows that we were watching. And they, and they said, look, Dad, they're a Christian. And I said, wait a minute. That's maybe... Maybe that's a good indication that perhaps the person that was, you know, a character on a show, quite honestly, perhaps maybe it's a good indication, but putting a cross on your wall doesn't make you a Christian. Wearing a cross around your neck doesn't make you a Christian. That's a symbol. It's a symbol. What makes us a Christian is when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died on that cross for you and for me. Just a symbol, but yet now, should we then hate the cross as a symbol or some kind of false idol? No, I think that maybe we should be careful of that. We can't worship it. We should only worship Jesus. But I honestly think that the rest of the song, uh, the, the, the verse, now the chorus part, I think it says it best. We should cherish that cross. We should cling to it and exchange it someday for a crown. Think about why are we going to cherish this cross? Because that's where we were offered salvation. 
Why should we cling to it? Because that's the kind of walk that we need to have in our lives. We've got to remember and cling to the fact that our forgiveness came there. And why, how are we going to exchange it someday for a crown? Because when we walk the way of the cross, folks, great things are coming our way. Awesome things. It's not our cross to bear. It's our cross to walk with. So as we think about that, let's move on to our next one. Alas, and did the Savior bleed? We sang this song, we call it At the Cross. It actually was written in two different parts, a couple of centuries apart, or a century apart, by a couple of guys that we'll talk about here in a second. But that's important that we remember that at the cross, what happened? My Savior bled. What happened? Jesus suffered and died. At the cross, what happened? Salvation for you and me. Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Contemplate on that verse. Our old self is dead on that cross thanks to Christ. That, that old self, that old man of sin is dead. So what do we have? We have Christ who lives in me. We have a resurrection to live. Because the Lord gave himself for me. This would have been one of the verses that Isaac Watts would look at as he um, wrote this famous hymn. Uh, at, at least the verses to it Isaac wrote. Later on, some years later, uh, Ralph Watson Hudson would uh, write the, uh, the famous course at the cross. But Isaac Watts, you know, we talked to him a little bit last week, too. He's the, also the writer of um, A Marching to Zion. Uh, here, here he is, a guy that could really, I believe, put it into words. Just really paint a picture of uh, what happened at that, that, that cross. For one, if you look at the, the hymn, you'll see in these four verses. Number one thing that we see is we see sorrow. We're sorry that Jesus had to die. We're sorry that he suffered, that he had this painful, humiliating death. That's sorrow. Maybe that's the first thing that hits us whenever we really contemplate what the cross is. Number two, as we kind of go forward in our, in our thought process, maybe we feel ashamed. Because we soon start to realize as we think deeply about what this old rugged cross means, it means that... Even though we're sorry that he died, he died for us. And maybe we should be ashamed of that. Next, we would see um, perhaps our, uh, that we are amazed. Amazed that God loved us so much that he allowed this to happen to his son. That he sent his son specifically to do this for you and for me. It's amazing that our God loves us that much. And finally, we see perhaps gratitude. We're thankful. We're thankful for, Je- for Jesus Christ that suffered and died for us. We're sorry that he had to. We're ashamed of that. We're amazed of that love. Oh, but thank God that he did it for us. And Ralph Hudson would see these words years later and uh, he would write many uh, hymns. But... He would finish the course to it at the cross. 
at the cross. Because what happens when we see that we are sorrow and we, we have sorrow, we have ashamed, we feel amazed, we feel thankful. What happens? We realize that it's at the cross where I first saw the light. It, we realize that it was at the cross when we really, really realized our eyes were open to the fact that it is only through Jesus and it is only through walking the way of the cross that we have salvation. And if it wasn't for that, we'd be lost. It was at the cross when we first saw that light and we realized that the cross isn't where it ends. It's just where it began. So what do we have to do with our own lives? We have to walk the way of the cross. And I, I love this song. This one's good. Colossians 1.20, though, says, Through him, talking about Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Wow. Thank you, Lord. We are so unworthy for that. This hymn was written by a woman named Jessie Brown Pounds. And she's a Christian church woman. This is uh, why, one of the reasons why I really like this song, because I just uh, love her story. And Jessie was born up in northern Ohio. We'll forgive her for that. But uh, she would eventually find her way down to Cincinnati, where she would be an editor and the uh, Christian Standard magazine from 1885 to 1896. So 11 years, she was a writer and an editor for the Christian Standard. And for many, many years, most of you know, the Christian Standard was uh, the Christian church magazine. Right? It would go to all the different Christian churches. Um, President Garfield helped start this. He was a Christian church preacher as well. But Jesse... Um, she was down there editing for this, this magazine, this publication, for, for many years until she would meet her husband. His name was John, John Pounds. And at the time, he was the preacher at Central Christian Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. And it was most likely while he was the preacher there that in 1906, and she lived there with him, uh, in 1906, she would write the, the words to the song, The Way of the Cross. And what do we know about the way of the cross? As the song goes, it leads home. Our eternal home, our real home, the one that Jesus has prepared for us, the one that we are going thanks to, the cross. It most certainly leads home. Now, she wasn't a music writer. She was just the writer of the words. Uh, but there was another famous... Uh, Musician that would write the, the notes to the song, if you will. His name was Charles Gabriel, and we could go through the list of a, a very musically talented man. And uh, back in the day when they were all writing these hymns, okay, you'd have a writer, and then they would give the, all their words to um, the, the musician who would write the music for it. And really, they wouldn't get as much credit as the writer of the words, but uh, they had a pretty tough job, let's face it. But Charles Gabriel, upon Jesse Brown's death, not Jesse Pound's death, would say of her famous hymn that she had the emphasis to the truth that heroic Christianity doesn't follow the path of least resistance. That's what 
her intentions were when she wrote this song. How can you not think of Matthew 16, 24? Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. Folks, we have a crosswalk ahead of us. We have a responsibility to take up our cross and to follow Jesus. He's already taken the punishment of that cross. All we've got to do is follow him. And like I said before, heroic uh, Charles Gabriel, the quote was, um, she was to give emphasis to the truth that heroic Christianity does not follow the line of least resistance. Now think about that for a second. Uh, we had a leak up here in the hallway uh, last week and a lot of water, you know, that, that, that small leak, but a lot of water, of course, in our community, a lot, a lot of rain we had for a couple of days. And whenever that water found its way in through the roof, what, what's it going to do next? Is it going to take the hardest route? No, of course, it's going to take the path of least resistance or the line of least resistance. And that oftentimes in our own lives is what we maybe even unintentionally do, is it not? Let's go the easy way. Let's go the way that won't offend anybody. Let's go the way where no one might get mad. Let's go the way of uh, least resistance so that it's not hard on me. Folks, that is not a cross walk. Because to walk with Jesus and to pick up your cross and follow him, to have heroic Christianity in our lives, it's not the line of least resistance. It's not always the easiest way. But I can tell you which way it is. It's the way that leads home. Finally today, as we realize just how awesome our God is for sending his son, I think it's time that we really go down at the cross, down on our knees, as we say, thank you, thank you, Lord. We sang this song today, too. E.A. Hoffman wrote it. He, he's all, he wrote the music and the, the lyrics to most of his songs. Another famous one would be Leaning on the Everlasting Arms that he wrote. When you think of going down at the cross, where my Savior died, where that cleansing blood was applied, I think we should think of victory. One of my favorite verses, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-seven. Thank God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, was part of the plan of Jesus Christ to die on that cross? Yes. Yes, it was. That's where it happened. When? 2,000 years ago. How? On the cross. Why? For you. For me. Who? The most important question of all. Jesus. That's who. That's who our victory comes from. See, because when we look at the cross... We should, I believe, we should think of death. And we should remember the suffering that Christ did for us. But we should know that that death isn't for you and for me. And it wouldn't hold Jesus. That death was to sin. That's what the cross represents to me. Death to sin. Look, folks. That's just the first part of our victory. Because the fact is, in my humble opinion, the 
best image of Christianity. Something that I see, that I think of victory. I think of the same things that I think of when I see the cross, but then I think of even more. It's not necessarily that cross, it's that empty tomb. See, that cross represents a defeat. See, Jesus defeated it. He beat it. And to that, we say thank you. To that, we say we have victory. And to that, we most certainly say glory to his name. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on that cross, that humiliating, painful cross. Thank you, Jesus, for taking our sins upon that cross. Thank you, Jesus, for dying. Thank you, Jesus, for resurrecting again. Folks, our crosswalk doesn't end with cross. Talking about death, burial, and resurrection of baptism on Wednesday nights have been. The cross is where it begins. That's where that death happens. A burial in that tomb doesn't last long. But that resurrection lasts forever. That resurrection walk is what we must have in our lives every day. That new life. That life following Jesus. That life remembering his sacrifice. And that life that we only have thanks to him. Glory to his name. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for sending us your son. For loving us so very much that you sent your son. Even though we were so unworthy. Lord, help us to follow him. Help us to pick up our cross and to follow him throughout our entire lives. Give us the strength to do that, Lord. Help us to to live that new life, that resurrected life that we have been, has been made possible to us through him. Lord, we can't say this enough. Glory to your name. Thank you very much. And in Christ Jesus' name we now pray. Amen.